Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. I am catching up after having three episodes dealing with the best and worst of 2022. And it'll be a lot of wrestling on this episode because I haven't gotten to a lot of wrestling in the past month or so. In this edition, I'll talk about WWE using product placement in their matches. And you, as you can expect, I don't like that. Then I will be going into my review of the 2023 Royal Rumble. Then in What's Anthony T. Watching, I will be going into my film vault to revisit a film starring the hottest actor in TV and streaming today. So that's what I got this episode. But first, the news. Starting off with news. I'm going to talk about a show that has been really been making waves in the horror world lately. The Last of Us. Now, this is based on a video game, which I'm not a video gamer, quite frankly. So, when I heard of The Last of Us, it was like, yeah, whatever. But when I heard Pedro Pascal was involved with the show, I love some of his work lately. Between The Mandalorian, which is an excellent show, and the movie where Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage. Loved him in that also. Don't know who was better in that film. In the unbearable weight of massive talent. Love that film a lot. Anytime Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage, I'm there. But we're getting way off topic here. So, I checked out the first episode of The Last of Us, and I was completely blown away. And it's like every episode so far, up to episode 5 as I'm recording this, have been excellent. It's rare that a show has, like, five excellent episodes in a row. This show has it. I'm surprised it got a quick renewal. Knowing HBO Max and Discovery, I thought this would be, will they or won't they renew this show? Because this is an expensive show to make. I thought they would do this all season, keep us hanging. Because that's what Warner Brothers Discovery does. They're just so cost-cutting right now. You don't know what they're doing. The fact that this got a early renewal for Season 2, according to Deadline.com, shows that Warner Brothers Discovery has faith in this series. And the fact that the numbers keep going up every week, I doubted it went up for Episode 5 because... Well, it was the weekend of the Super Bowl. But I like the fact that Warner Brothers Discovery did a smart thing here. And they released Episode 5 on Friday night on HBO Max. For those who are going to watch the Super Bowl, they can watch the episode early without having to wait until Monday morning when they're hungover from watching the Super Bowl, and watch this episode immediately. This is just a great show. Seriously. There's been a couple of great 
horror shows recently. Chucky's been great. Wednesday from Netflix has been great. And now you have The Last of Us from HBO. That is great. Horror all of a sudden has taken this turn where TV series are great. That's great for the genre. Seriously. If you have great indie horror films, great studio films, and great horror TV series all at the same time. This is a great time to be a horror fan, people. I can't remember a time where you have had all those three on all cylinders producing great content. It's just a great time to be a horror fan, everyone. And it's just going to keep getting better. We got Scream 6 coming out. Stephen King's The Boogeyman's coming out. We've got also The Exorcist coming out later this year. And other high-profile films. You also had Megan do over $90 million at the box office, too, on top of all that. It's a great time to be a horror fan, everyone, as it's just going to get better this year. Seriously. Can't wait to see what else comes out this year. Next up, a lot of Scream 6 news. As I have not gotten time to comment on some of these recent Scream 6 news. First up... The next installment of the Scream series will be in 3D. That's right, for the first time ever, a Scream film will be in 3D. Well, that's a surprise, seriously, because this is actually the first Scream film to be in 3D. All the other Scream films beforehand have been 2D. So this will be the first time we will see a Scream film in 3D. It's kind of perfect to have this film in 3D, actually, since you are going in New York as the setting of the film, so it may actually help with the 3D. Personally, I will not be seeing this film in 3D because I'm not big into 3D films. I'm more of a 2D kind of person. I'd rather just pay, see the film in 2D, go on. Because usually I don't like to pay for 3D any extra surcharges. So I will see this film in 2D. Second, there's been a couple of trailers for the film. I have to admit, the trailers look very good. It's really got me interested in this film. And it's really starting to give me a taste of what to theorize what could happen in this film. Because... I'm not going to share my theory right now. Perhaps when I see the film, I'll reveal what my theory was going into this film. But I'm not going to go into theories or anything like that here on this podcast until the film comes out, obviously. But the trailers have gotten me excited for this film. Third... The teaser posters for this film have been very good. You have one that looks like a subway map. You have one that has like a big drawing of New York City with various clues and Easter eggs in it. And you also had one that's like a guess who game. Where you have all your characters 
on the Guess Who board. I have to admit, they've done a great job with the way that they have created the teaser posters for this film. It's something that gets me excited to see this film. It makes you wonder what are these Easter eggs? What are these guess who blank spots mean? So, I think Paramount's done a really good job with the promotional material for this film. And finally, we've got word of the theme song for Scream 6. It's going to be called Still Alive by Demi Lovato. Now, Still Alive really makes you wonder. Now, I don't want to be... Going into theories here, but I'm going to go into a little bit of a theory here. Does Ghostface survive this film? That's what I take from a song called Still Alive. Does one of the Ghostface killers in Scream 6 survive this film? Because this is what I think. Seriously, when you have a theme song called Still Alive, it makes you wonder... If a ghost face will survive the film, it just makes you wonder, seriously. Or it could mean reference to the main characters, too. But it does really makes you wonder, though. It really makes you wonder. Because I really don't think you choose a song called Still Alive if one of the ghost face killers is still going to be alive at the end of the film. But I could be wrong. That would make perfect sense. But then again, I could be just theorizing and be completely wrong here. Moving on to wrestling news. Since I have a lot of wrestling this episode to go over, I'll make this very quick, like one news story. And that is the Gun Club are the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, that happened in 2023. Colton and Austin Gunn are the AEW Tag Team Champions. What the bleep? Before I go into this, I'll let you know I'm a big AEW fan. But I will call AEW out when they do something I really don't like. And giving the AEW World Tag Team Championship to Colton and Austin Gunn is ridiculous. Seriously, I know they're great personalities, but they're not that great in the ring. I'm sorry. When I think of AEW, you have to have the total package. The in-ring work, the mic work, in order to be a champion in that promotion. But the guns only have the mic work, not the ring work, as they're average at best. I don't know why Tony Khan thought about putting the tag team titles on their waists. Seriously, nobody wanted the Acclaim's run to end as tag team champions. Not this early. This was like a major shocker when this happened. And I literally thought it would be another title defense for the Acclaimed. But they pulled off a shocker. And now, at Revolution, the Guns are going to defend the World Tag Team titles against the Acclaimed versus 
the winners of the traditional battle royal versus the winners of the casino battle royal. That's right, we're getting a Four Corners tag team match for the titles at Revolution. I'm hoping the Guns are just transitional tag team champions here. I don't want a long run with Colton and Austin Gunn with those tag team title belts. Because they haven't earned it yet. I don't think they've earned it. Unless they're going to give the titles to Top Flight or a returning FTR or the Lucha Bros at Revolution, I don't like this title change at all. In fact, with the acclaimed in this Four Corners match, it made no sense for them to drop the titles here. Seriously. And it really irks me that Colton and Austin Gunn have the AEW World Tag Team titles. It is ridiculous. Seriously. If this was WWE, yeah, I can see why. Because they are more about personality than ring work. But the guns are not that great in the ring. Seriously. They may get better. Now wasn't the time to give them the titles and let them beat the acclaim out of all the teams. There. I just don't get it. Really. Seriously. But then again, Austin and... Colton Gunn won the AEW World Tag Team titles in 2023. Man, it's already been a crazy year. Between that and Old Man Vince coming back to WWE. It's just been crazy, and we're not out of February yet. And that's the news. Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. Exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. The following commentary represent the views of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show and not the views of darkdiscussions.com. In other words, they're the views of my views and my views only. Welcome back. Now, I... Thought I had retired this segment on this podcast. Once Triple H took over this company, I would not have to deal with this segment on this podcast ever again. Seriously. But things have changed over the months since Triple H took over WWE. First of all, Old Man Vince is back. 
as WWE chairman as he wants to sell the company. Only problem is, according to rumors, that took a hit recently as NBC Comcast isn't interested in buying WWE. And you have this. So let's bring back the segment that used to dominate this podcast from time to time. It's called This Bleeping Wrestling Promotion. That's right. It is another edition of This Bleeping Wrestling Promotion. I never thought I'd bring this segment back, but I have to bring this segment back. Because they did something which I think is really ridiculous here. I'm talking about another product placement match. I won't go into the other product placement match. Because I'll save that for next segment in my Royal Rumble review. And yeah, I don't like that. I can tell you that right now. But WWE is teasing yet another match involving product placement. They are teasing the Cinnamon Toast Crunch match at... WrestleMania 39. Now, they did this stupid pitch black Mountain Dew match at the Royal Rumble, which I'll get to next segment again. But there are talks about that happening. In fact, they are one of the event's new sponsors. There was an article on this on the Hollywood Reporter's official website. Where they are teasing another match involving product placement. As WWE Senior VP and Head of Global Sales and Partnerships, Craig Stimmel, has teased in that interview. And I quote, I don't want to give too much, but it will be around a match. And the sponsorship of that match and what they'll be able to bring to that match. He also went to say, so we're going to do things that fit inside our storyline as well. A Cinnamon Toast Crunch collaboration for the big show. Please, I don't want to see this in my wrestling. I don't want to see product placement in my wrestling. I'm sorry. When I think of wrestling, I don't think of Mountain Dew Pitch Black. I don't think of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I think of wrestling. I think of Terry Funk. I think of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Imagine one of those guys in one of those gimmick matches. They think it would be stupid. What's next? Is this other things I came up with that could possibly happen that would draw my anger? As this got me really thinking of what stupidity can also come from this. How about an Oreos match where instead of having hundreds of thumbtacks in the ring, you'll have hundreds of Oreos in the ring? How about a Chef Boy ID match where you have various Products of Chef Boy ID at ringside. And you can use the plate as a weapon with the product on it. How about a Rice Krispies Lumberjack match? Where all the lumberjacks are dressed like Snap, Crackle, and Pop. How about Logan Paul's Prime? Yes, 
the drink that he owns a stake in. You know he's pot owner of that company. Why don't we have a bottle of Prime hung up 20 feet from the ring? You climb up the ladder, you grab the bottle, and you stop bashing your opponent with it. It's stupid. How about a Gatorade death match? Instead of having the ring explode, when the time goes up, Gatorade comes from the ceiling and splashes the opponents who are left in the ring. These partnerships within a match are stupid and dumb. It's just going to make the match quality suffer. I don't want to see that. When I want to see wrestling, I want to see matches that have a good quality to them. I want to see spectacular moves, fantastic wrestling, not Oreos, not Cinnamon Toast Crunch, not Neon Lights, not Gatorade splashing through the ring. I just want to see wrestling and wrestling periods. I don't need to see product placement in my matches where it's used as some sort of gimmick or a weapon. Because I don't like product placement. It's bad enough I have to deal with it before every time I see a movie and see 10 million commercials before I see the trailers before the movie. It's bad enough I see a lot of product placement in my films. It's bad enough I have to see product placement on TV all the time. I don't want to see product placement in my wrestling matches. Especially in matches where it makes it so dumb. It's not going to make the match good. The only thing by putting in product placement in matches, it's going to suffer in the quality of the matches. Look at the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. That was horrific. And I'll get more to that very soon. But the point is, wrestling does not need product placement within its matches. It's fine if they want to sponsor a pay-per-view. I'm all for that. I had no problem with that back in the day. But having product placement in the match itself. It just hurts the match quality, and it doesn't make the match a serious match. It just makes it stupid and childish. What I'm getting at here is product placement does not belong in wrestling matches because it diminishes the quality of the match and the quality of the event that the match is on. That's all I got here. I'm sick of talking about product placement. I hate product placement. It ruins everything. And that was another edition of this bleeping wrestling promotion. Hey guys, this is Steven Christina. I'm the founder, owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic-Con coverage all around? Well then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube. And our new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews audio files version 2.0 on the following media distribution. 
distributors. Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Class is over, John! Class is something new and improved! Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Welcome back. Every year, I really look forward to the Royal Rumble pay-per-view or premium live event. As it's usually one of my favorite WWE events of the year. In fact, I may even put this over WrestleMania as my favorite WWE event because you have two battle royals. I love battle royals. Especially the type of match where people come in 90 seconds apart. So every year I'm always looking forward to this event. And I'm hoping this is a better event than last year's. Especially the Royal Rumble matches. The pay-per-view or premium live event started off with the men's Royal Rumble match. I'm not going to get into everything that went on in the match. I'm just going to go over some key points. The match started off with Guther and Sheamus. The Miz was the first to be eliminated. He didn't last long in this match, thankfully, as he was eliminated by the time number, I believe, five came out, which is good because I don't want to see the Miz anywhere near my television screen. He is so annoying. You also had the typical Kofi Kingston attempted spot, which didn't go so well. As Kofi got eliminated this year by Gunther, who throws Kofi over the top rope onto an announcer's chair. Instead of Kofi doing his typical Royal Rumble spot, he crashes and burns on the chair. Here's the thing. Kofi Kingston needs to stop doing these stupid stunts at these Royal Rumble matches. I know it's a highlight every year, everybody. But for the sake of his health, one of these days, he's going to get paralyzed. Literally. And I think this was like the second botched one in a row. They've got to stop that. Seriously. I know he's great acrobatic, but he's getting up there in age, everyone. Time runs out sooner or later, and I'm afraid someday this guy's going to get injured and paralyzed over a stupid spot just to excite the fans. 
It's not what wrestling should be, people. It's cool to see all these good spots, but if someone who can't do it anymore can't do it, don't make them do it. I think this was the second, what, two, three years they botched a big spot in the match. He's going to stop doing these crazy spots in the Royal Rumble match. I'm literally afraid for his safety. Seriously. And another thing at this point was, I can't understand why most of these people are running into the ring. It's a Royal Rumble match. You want to take your sweet hot time. You don't want to rush right in there and then possibly get eliminated five seconds later. I can never figure that out. Everybody running to the ring. I cannot, seriously. I know it's a long ways away from the entrance to the ring, but I would take my sweet hot time getting down to that ring, especially when they're not going to disqualify you. Then this match really picks up at number 12 when Brock Lesnar comes in, cleans house, has a stare down with Guttner until number 13 came and it was... Bobby Lashley ruining that dream scenario that only happened for what felt like seconds. And then a minute later, Lashley eliminates Lesnar. Thanks, WWE. Now we're probably not going to get Guttner versus Lesnar at WrestleMania. Instead, we're probably going to get Lesnar versus Lashley for the 500th time. Why? Seriously, why? There hasn't been many surprises in this match. The first one was the fact that Rey Mysterio never showed up in the Royal Rumble match. Even though it was advertised to be in this match as, for storyline purposes, Dominic Mysterio attacked him backstage as when he came into the match, he was wearing Rey Mysterio's mask. So that's what happened to Rey Mysterio during the Royal Rumble match, everyone. He never showed up because Dominic Mysterio attacked him backstage and took his mask. Okay. Yay. I was looking forward to Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio finally locking up. Okay. But then again, there was rumors that Rey Mysterio may have been injured, so maybe that was the reason why... Dominic came out with Ray's mask during the Royal Rumble match. The first surprise of the match comes at number 21, where Booker T entered. He was cleaning a house, does the spinner Rooney, then gets thrown out by Guttner. Booker T did not last long in this match. Then at 24, Edge entered the match and proceeded to eliminate Finn Balor and Damian Priest. He tries to eliminate Dominic Mysterio, only to be eliminated by Balor and Priest. They end up brawling to the back. Rhea Ripley comes in and low blows Edge. Then out of nowhere, Beth Phoenix comes back and attacks Rhea Ripley. Match still goes on. It was bleeping Logan Paul. Yeah, he showed up for this match. And he was a focal point in this match at the end, too. Which really irked me, too. I don't like Logan Paul. Logan Paul's only wrestled, what, four or five matches? And he's being thrown into these big 
feuds, and he probably has another one set up for WrestleMania after this match. I don't get it. But at least Logan Paul and Ricochet pulled off probably one of the greatest Raw Rumble moments ever when both Paul and Ricochet nailed flying forearms on each other from opposite sides of the ring. That was an insane feat, an insane moment. I've never seen two people hit flying forearms at once. So I'll give Logan Paul credit for that because that was an insane move. Before that moment, number 30 happened and it was Cody Rhodes coming in at the number 30 spot. He came in, cleared house. Dominic Mysterio tries to hit the three amigos. And on the third suplex, Cody counters into a crossroads and throws Dominic Mysterio out. Then that moment I just told you about, as we're back on track here, the final four were supposedly Austin Theory, Seth Rollins, Gunther, and Cody. First, Cody eliminates Austin Theory. Then Cody and Seth Rollins fight until Logan Paul sneaks into the ring, who wasn't eliminated after that crazy sequence with Ricochet, came back in the ring and eliminated Seth Rollins to booze. Then at that point, Logan Paul acts like an idiot, pointing to the WrestleMania sign like he won the damn Royal Rumble match. Only problem was Cody and Gunther were still in the match. This gave the opportunity for Cody Rhodes to hit crossroads on Logan Paul, throwing him out of the ring, leading to Rhodes and Gunther as the final two. 1v30, everyone. Gunther came in at number one. Cody Rhodes came in at number 30. I don't remember a time that happened where the last two people were 1 and 30. This was a great showdown as showdown between the two was brutal. Gunther's chops to Rhodes were plain brutal. The action during the last 5-10 minutes of that match was intense. The finish comes when Gunther throws Cody over the top rope. He gets him in a sleeper hold. Cody drags Gunther to break the hold and get back in the ring and takes a Gunther chop. Then he gets the upper hand, proceeds to hit crossroads and clotheslines Gunther over the top rope for the victory. In a good match, it had some really good moments. It lagged at times. But it was a good start to the pay-per-view. I like the fact that Gunther lasted at least 70 minutes, which is the new Royal Rumble record. Too bad he didn't win the match. That would have been something for him to win the match. But that's asking too much. Plus, it was very predictable that Cody Rhodes was going to win this match anyway. And it's probably the right call given the fact that Roman Reigns is a heel, and you can't have heel versus heel. It would make no sense at all, but I wish Gutner won that match. The fact that they started him at one, I don't know why you 
It gives them the opportunity to give them a great showing, but if you're going to stat somebody at one, you have to go all the way. That's something Cody Rhodes should have done, not from number 30. But Cody Rhodes had to win this match. I understand the booking. That's the only way this match had to end. But I really wanted Gutner to win this match, considering the way they booked him in this match. That's the only complaint I had with the booking of this match. That and the lag times, and the fact that everybody was running to the ring, which makes no sense. You take your time. But overall, this was a good Royal Rumble match, and a good way to start off the pay-per-view. Or premium live event. After that, we had the Bray Wyatt versus L.A. Knight match, a.k.a. the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. And man, did I ever hate this match with a passion. First of all, like I said earlier, this is not a good idea for WWE to do product placement in their matches. And this is a great example why it's not a great idea to do a product placement for a match, let alone a gimmick match. Because this was just hard to watch, literally. I could not believe my eyes, seriously, when I was watching this match. And I am a huge Bray Wyatt fan here. But this match was just so nerve-wracking to watch. Seriously. The neon lights are so distracting to everything. It's like everything had to have neon lights. The ring. The what you might call it. The paper, whatever... That thing that was on the announcer's table. L.A. Knight's trunks were neon. You had a neon kendo stick. This is just so horrible to watch. And it really got bad once L.A. Knight leaps from the top of the barricade and sends Bray through the announcer's table. Normally that's a cool spot. But once Wyatt went through the table... A bunch of neon stuff just exploded all over the floor. I could not stand it. It was so nerve-wracking. It's just like, it just takes away from the match. Because it's so bright. And it's not even traditional lights. I can understand doing a dark match with dim lights. That's fine. It was so horrible. It was like horrible to look. All this neon colors was just so horrible to look in this match. The ring ropes had it. Everything felt so, I don't know, distracting from the match. Seriously. I can't stand neon colors in my wrestling match. I'm sorry. It was so distracting. This new age way of watching wrestling. It's just distracting. I do not ever want to see a pitch black match again. Especially a Mountain Dew pitch black match. It just was so nerve-wracking to watch. It's just 
takes away from my concentration of the match, quite frankly. Seriously. Well, the match ends when LA Knight brings a neon kendo stick into the ring. He tries to hit Wyatt with the stick, doesn't, as Wyatt counters it into a sister Abigail for the victory. You think by then the match is over. Please, let it be over, but no! LA Knight... In the post-match, tries to escape, then Wyatt follows him. Wyatt has a kendo stick, another neon one, I guess. Hits Wyatt to no avail. They go to the entrance where they're fighting around the soundstage where Wyatt hits the manable core. Then Uncle Howdy makes an appearance from up top of some sort of scaffolding near the soundstage. And dives onto L.A. Knight, setting off fireworks. Cool visual, right? Wrong. If you go to the official Facebook group of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show, I posted a link of a video where Uncle Howdy misses L.A. Knight. But you couldn't tell from the angle WWE shot it. Plus, it had the pyrotechnics to cover up the mistake as well. But it's online showing it, so it was a botched spot, everyone. Ugh, I don't understand it. I don't want to ever see another wrestling match in a pitch black setting with neon lights. They better not do another gimmick match that involves product placement with Bray Wyatt. They are going to ruin him yet again. They've done it once. Don't do this, Triple H. Please. Don't be like old man Vince and destroy people with these stupid ideas. Because this was a stupid idea to put Bray Wyatt in a Mountain Dew pitch black match. Should have been a straight up one and one match. For his first match back in WWE. Not this elaborate match. Which was just distracting. After that you had Alexa Bliss challenging Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's title. This match was okay at best. The women I really believe tried their best to deliver a very good match. But it really felt like it was flat at times. Some of it had to do with, I think, the crowd's reaction with this match. Is This match, from the reaction, felt dead for most of it. It got off to a slow start, which didn't help the match at all. The action in the middle was pretty good, I have to admit. They did try their best in making sure this match was good, but overall, this was kind of a failure. Even though the middle was good and everything, I just thought it was an okay match. The match finish came when Bliss tries to go for Sister Abigail. Belair counters the move and hits her finisher, the KOD, for the win. Then post-match, a Cult of Wyatt slash Uncle Howdy video played on the screen. Spooking Bliss to continue this storyline, will she or won't she join the cult of Wyatt? That's going to be an interesting storyline going forward. 
as we don't know what's going to happen with that storyline. I hope it's better than what happened at the Royal Rumble. As I hope this so-called Colt or Wyatt storyline makes more sense. As we get left with more questions than answers between the whole Alexa Bliss thing and the whole Bray Wyatt thing after the Royal Rumble. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next in that storyline. There's got to be an end game to this. There has to be. After the championship match, it was the women's Royal Rumble match. Now, I'm not going to go into everything, as I've gone into a lot in the men's Royal Rumble, but I'll go over some of the highlights of the match like I did with the men's Royal Rumble. The match started off with Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan in the ring. Rhea Ripley came out at number one selling that spear that she took earlier in the night from Beth Phoenix. Liv Morgan came out at number two. They started the match. Then the match really does not pick up to entrant number six when Bailey enters the ring, only to be met by Liv Morgan as she hits a move on her and tries to eliminate her to no avail. The first elimination of this match comes at number seven when BFAV entered the match. She only lasted 30 seconds as Rhea Ripley eliminated her. There weren't a lot of eliminations in the first third of this match as the eliminations really didn't pick up until entrant number 10 came in and that was Elo Sky from Damage Control. Now at 9, Dakota Kai from Damage Control entered the match. Once those two and Bailey started ganging up on everyone, people were getting thrown out. At the 10th spot, we had Dana Brooke, Emma, and Roseanne Perez. Then you had Shayna Baszler and Natalia at 12. Candice LeRae at 14. So pretty much, they've eliminated about six people. Before number 15 came in, Becky Lynch. Damage control of Dakai and Sky tried to sidestep her entrance into the match to no avail as Lynch made a beeline towards Bailey. And they pretty much went at each other pretty much for their entire time afterwards in this match. Number 18 saw the return of Piper Nevin. Thankfully, back to her original NXT gimmick, as I really kind of hated the Dewdrop name that she was under. It was nice that she was given her full name back, because the whole Dewdrop gimmick was stupid, and definitely a product of old man Vince booking for himself. I'm hoping she's really utilized her full potential Unlike they've done so far. You have Triple H there, so maybe that happens. At number 20 was the return of Chelsea Green to WWE. As she only lasted about 5 seconds in this match. Literally. As once she got into the ring, Rhea Ripley threw her over the top rope. And that's when all these eliminations started happening. Becky Lynch eliminated Dakota Kai and Elo Sky. Then Bailey eliminates Becky Lynch. 
Then two seconds later, Liv Morgan eliminates Bailey, leading to damage control and Becky Lynch fighting on the outside. Why do I get a feeling that Bailey and Becky Lynch are probably gonna continue their feud all the way to WrestleMania this year? I just got that feeling. They finally got around to doing a proper steel cage match recently. Not that two-minute bleep they did on Raw 30th anniversary. But that's a feud that's probably going all the way to WrestleMania. I just have that feeling. That's got the legs to go all the way to WrestleMania. Then at number 25, another surprise entrant entered the match. In Michelle McCool... As she entered the match from the front row at ringside. Yes, that happened. As she was at ringside the entire time, there were rumors that she might be in the match. She might not be in the match. Well, we thought she wasn't going to be in the match when she was shown sitting at ringside earlier in the night. But she did end up participating in this Royal Rumble match. The last entrant was also a surprise entrant, and it was an entrant I did not like. Yeah, Nia Jax. Now, the reason I don't like Nia Jax is she injures people. I don't like wrestlers that can't properly wrestle. Because when you're wrestling, you also have to take into consideration the safety of your fellow wrestler in that ring. And Nia Jax has a reputation of being a bad worker in the ring. Thankfully she did not last long in the match. She got her offense in. But once Rhea Ripley hit the eradicator on her. Then all the women in the ring at the time threw her over the top rope. Then the eliminations was coming fast after that. All the way down to the final four where there was Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, and Asuka. Cross was the first to go out as she tried to hit a DDT on Asuka on the ring apron after the two both went over the top rope. But Morgan knocked Cross off the apron to eliminate her. Then the end comes when Ripley and... Morgan both go over the top rope onto the apron. Asuka tries to eliminate them, but instead Ripley sends Asuka over the top rope. Now you have three women on the ring apron. Asuka tries to hit the mist on Rhea Ripley, but misses in hitting Liv Morgan in the process. That led to Rhea Ripley eliminating Asuka. Then Morgan hits a double knee face breaker on the ring apron. But Rhea Ripley hangs on not touching the floor. Morgan tries to eliminate her. Only for Rhea Ripley to get her Karana to send Morgan to the floor for the win. This was a very good match. I thought the finish in this match was great. I liked how the final climax of that match was executed as it really drew suspense. As you didn't know who was going to win that match. As you didn't know who was going to win this match going in. There was no clear favorite. 
maybe three, four people. But there was like not this decisive person like the men's Royal Rumble where everyone thought Cody was going to win and Cody did win. But I loved the ending to this match where you had your final three participants fighting on the ring apron. I thought this was a very well booked match. Especially the fact that you had Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan go all the way from beginning to end. I like how that happened too. This was a good match. Probably the best women's Royal Rumble match they have done so far. I really think there was a lot of good action in this match. I'd say probably a little better than the men's Royal Rumble match. Maybe part of it is because the men's Royal Rumble match was predictable. But there was at least some really good moments. Plus you had a great finish that really made the match very good. Then you had a musical performance from Hardy. Who I have never heard of before. I really wish they don't do this at premium live events. Seriously. It's bad enough I could deal with ads. But I got to deal with musical performances too now at the Royal Rumble. The only time they should be doing this is at WrestleMania. That's it. I can buy that. That is it. Not at the Royal Rumble or SummerSlam. I don't get WWE. They make these premium live events longer with these ads and these musical performances. They don't need it. Seriously. When I want to watch a wrestling show, I want to watch wrestling, not music performances, not ads. Especially a major show like the Royal Rumble. It's like a complaint to every WWE pay-per-view slash premium live event. As it's never going away with every review. I'm sorry. I can't take it. Maybe it's because... I'm part of a generation where I'm used to seeing pay-per-views straight on without any advertisements or any musical performances in my wrestling. It's bad enough the show was four hours. They probably could trim this down to probably three and a half hours at least. But what can you do? It's WWE and I... Gotta live with these stupid commercials and musical performances whenever they like to throw them on their premium live events. Since we finally got to the main event of the Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. And this was a very good match. I liked this match a lot. I thought both Owens and Reigns had very good chemistry with each other. There were some good moves. In this match, including where Owens would miss a moonsault, then Reigns would hit the spear for a two count. Owens at one point will also go for a stunner, but gets pushed into the rough. Owens hits his pop-up powerbomb to no count at all because, well, the referee was down. Then this leads Reigns to low blow Owens. Zayn would go grab a chair and hand it to Reigns, only for Reigns to walk right into a stunner for a two count. The finish comes when Owens rolled 
Out of the ring, Zayn tells Owens to stay down. Reigns spears Owens through the barricade, then throws Owens in the ring only for Owens to roll out of the ring again. Reigns should then proceed to hit Owens' head on the steel steps twice. You can hear Michael Cole pleading for the referee to stop this fight. Reigns throws Owens into the ring. Owens tries to fight back, but Reigns hits another spear for the three count. And Roman Reigns retains both the World Heavyweight title and the Universal title in a very good match. But the best part of this match, I think, was the post-match. The bloodline comes into the ring and continues to attack Owens. Then they handcuff him to the ropes. And Owens gets super kicked by the Usos. Reigns gets a steel chair. He's about ready to hit him with it. Until Zane stands in the way. He tries and reasons with Roman Reigns. But Roman Reigns hands him the chair. As Reigns gets in front of Zane, he starts trash talking to Owens. Sami Zayn can't make up his mind. Reigns orders Zayn to hit Owens with the steel chair. But Zayn hits Reigns from behind. Then Jimmy Uso and Solo Sakai start attacking Sami Zayn. As Jay Uso looked in disbelief and left the ring. Roman Reigns would eventually join in on the attack. To wrap up this pay-per-view. Overall, I think this was a very good pay-per-view. You had a very good Women's Royal Rumble match. And the main event was very good. The Men's Royal Rumble match was good. But you did have problems with the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. I do not want to see Neon in my wrestling again. I do not need to see Pitch Black Darkness with Neon. It just doesn't go well with wrestling. I'm sorry. And also thought the women's title match was okay. I just wish there was another match. I think this pay-per-view was missing Charlotte Flair. As I don't know why she was not on this pay-per-view. Or premium live event. As I don't know how she's not on it. Because she's one of your biggest stars and this is a major event you also said no ronda rousey as well but still i would probably give this show a thumbs in the middle towards up it's just that i can't that middle pot where we had the mountain dew pitch black match in the women's match Really were two matches where I thought really slowed down the card. But it had a good men's Raw Rumble match. A great women's Raw Rumble match. And a great main event. So 3 out of 5 for the Raw Rumble. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran. And we are the 2 from Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month, we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and 
maybe interviews. You can find Two From Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show on these social media platforms. At Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app. On YouTube at youtube.com slash Media. On podcast providers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and other major podcast providers. And you can also join Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show group over on Facebook. Just type in Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show in the group section. What's Anthony T watching this episode? In this edition of What's Anthony T Watching, I decided to go into my film vault after reading an article about the film and its high-profiled star. Remember in the beginning, I told you that I would be revisiting a film from my film vault starring the hottest actor in TV in streaming today. That's right, I'm talking about Pedro Pascal, star of The Last of Us on HBO and HBO Max, which I talked about in the beginning of this podcast, and The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I decided to go back to 2015 in an indie horror film called Blood-Sucking Bastards. Now, this film also has a good cast besides Pedro Pascal in it. It also stars Fran Kranz from The Cabin in the Woods, Emma Fitzpatrick from The Collection, and most recently Take Back the Night, and Joel Murray, brother of legendary comedian Bill Murray, and also one of the stars in Hatchet. This film had a good cast for an indie horror film. But the main focal point here is Pedro Pascal. He's just done some great work lately. And in Bloodsucking Bastards, he plays the film's villain, Max, who pretty much steals a promotion from Fran Kranz's character and starts taking a bite out of the staff, literally. It was great revisiting Bloodsucking Bastards, as I really forgot how good of a film this was, as this film is a very funny horror comedy, as I really enjoyed this a lot again. And I haven't seen this film in like five, six years, but I figured I'd show you this film since Pedro Pascal's in it. And I liked it the first time. Now, one of the things I really liked about this film was the fact that the writers do a very good job 
with the way they wrote the screenplay for this film. They do a great job making sure that they balance all the comedy and horror aspects as the both are balanced in a way that it works well. And it's tough to do in a horror comedy because you can't have it be all comedy and less horror or all horror and less comedy. For a horror comedy to work, you need to have that balance. You need to have a few intense scares. You need to have some humorous, witty dialogue. You have to have interesting characters. And Bloodsucking Bastards has all of that. As this is still a great film to watch. And Pedro Pascal in this film is very good in this film, as the film's villain Max, as he really does a great job really making his character a good bad guy, while also trying to blend in humor as well. He really does play the comedy in this film well as well. He knows when to be serious, when to be not serious. He really does a great job in making sure that his character is interesting. And it also has some other good performances in this film from Fran Carranz and Emma Fitzpatrick. As they both also do a very good job with their performances in this film. Director Brian James O'Connell does a very good job making sure that he really directs the action in this film very well. He directs the comedy in this film very well, as this film is just funny. It is just a fun horror comedy. And it's really sad that this is an underrated film, quite frankly, because this was released quietly by Scream Factory back in 2015. And it really is such a good film. People should check this film out. Go out of your way to find blood-sucking bastards. I know it's on a couple of streaming services where you can see it for free. Like Freeverse, for example. As Blood-sucking bastards is a really good film. I like horror comedies when they're done very well. And this one is well done. Great acting, great directing, a very good screenplay, and of course, Pedro Pascal. As I really like Pedro Pascal, as he can do comedy very well besides the sci-fi and horror stuff. He just pulls it off. Give him a role, he'll pull it off. That's why I think Pedro Pascal is one of the biggest actors out there today on television because he knows how to pull these roles off and it's earlier roles like blood-sucking bastards that really set the tone for his career as you can ask him to do anything and he will be very good in it i highly recommend you go check out blood-sucking bastards it's a very good vampire comedy plus it's I think one of my favorite Pedro Pascal films after re-watching this a second time. Don't forget, there'll be a new episode of Two From Hell Movie Podcasts 
dropping very soon, if it hasn't already. This month we will be talking about My Bloody Valentine versus Valentine, so keep an eye out for that. It should be dropping very soon if it hasn't dropped already. On the Film Arcade Media YouTube channel, which you can go to at youtube.com slash filmarcademedia, I am putting up more videos on this channel. I'm going to try to create more content on that channel besides the podcast. Case in point, I started Anthony T's movie collection, meaning I'll show off some of the stuff I brought, whether it's various sales or various t-shirts, all stuff film-related, since this is Film IK Media. So keep an eye out for that as my first video of Anthony T's movie collection dropped on the Film Arcade Media YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash Media. I'm hoping to do more stuff on that channel. I haven't decided what I'm doing yet, but keep an eye out for the channel. With that, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast, Anthony T. Sara Wrestling Show, over at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and other major podcast providers. Don't forget to like the social media pages over at Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. Don't forget to like the Film Arcade Media Twitter page at twitter.com slash filmarcademedia and subscribe to the Film Arcade Media YouTube channel at youtube.com slash filmarcademedia. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling and support indie horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.